Hi, and welcome to Not Your Mother's Library. I'm Rachel. I'm Melody. And we're librarians at Oak Creek Public Library in Wisconsin. We are part of the Milwaukee County system, which actually is fairly large and very rad. Trust us. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Today, we'll be exploring the steampunk genre. First, we wanted to talk a bit about what that means and our own backgrounds of the genre. So, Melly, do you want to introduce the genre? Yes. So, um, steampunk is kind of a difficult genre to Mm -hmm. define. Um, Most often, it's kind of like an alternate reality or alternate history. Um, And usually, there's modern technology involved in the story, but it's powered by steam. Right. Um, And most often... um, Steampunk is set in Victorian England. Mm-hmm. That's not always the case, but that's uh, pretty common. Yeah. And more airships and robots. <laughs> yes, yeah. So the, like these these are the things you want to look for when you're reading mm-hmm. steampunk. Gears, gadgets, gizmos, airships, robots, goggles, yep. corsets, all of those things. So if you see all of those things overlapping, you're probably reading steampunk. Um, and then steampunk tends to overlap with a lot of other genres as well so you know you can have sci-fi fantasy fashion is a big part of steampunk Mm -hmm. um engineering history drama romance action all of these things can be part of steampunk for sure yeah i mean it has definitely bled into social society they have conventions and everything yeah so yeah so that's kind of a, a general basic definition of steampunk but again it's kind of hard to define mm-hmm. um so after we talk about what we've been reading i think it would be fun to kind of decide do we think it is steampunk why do we think it is yeah yeah and i don't know about you but i have not had much of a history with steampunk um i haven't I, either i'm pretty excited for this episode because i wanted to get more into steampunk yeah. reading uh but I, I knew it existed in the periphery with things like conventions and costuming and things mm-hmm. like that. But mm-hmm. the closest things to steampunk that I've taken taken in entertainment-wise are Alan Moore's comics, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Okay. Um, there's another one called uh, Gotham by Gaslight by Brian Augustine, which is Batman, but set back in Victorian England. Ooh. Yeah, it's pretty that good. That sounds really yeah. fun. Is it? Are you a comic book person? I am. Okay. <laughs> How did you know? I just got the feeling. <laughs> yes. um, and other Whoa. than that, would it would have to be Hayao Miyazaki's films, Castle in the Sky okay. and Owl's Moving Castle. They have airships and things okay. in a lot of his films, but those two in particular. Yeah. And that's pretty much the extent of it. How about for you? Yeah, so my... Um, I've, I've never... Uh, automatically gone to steampunk as my favorite Mm -hmm. genre um i tend to like fantasy and young adult and post-apocalyptic things Mm -hmm. so fantasy and young adult kind of dive into steampunk a little bit one of the books i'm going to talk about today the golden compass by philip pullman um i read a while ago and that definitely has some steampunk elements but it's leaning more on the fantasy side i think Mm -hmm. um so that's kind of my experience with steampunk too, and I'm very familiar with the the costume look. Yeah, which is seems like a really fun thing to do. If you haven't any idea what steampunk is, you've probably seen it somewhere on TV yeah. or yeah. out in the world at some yeah. point. Some, and just not known what it was. Yeah, someone would be wearing like goggles on their mm-hmm. forehead, and, tiny top hat maybe. <laughs> yeah, and have like gears and cogs mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, so it's it's a fun genre. Yeah. So, um, do you want me to get started? Uh, on sure. First one. Okay. Yeah. So I read Solace by B- Gail Carriger. 
I think that's how you say it. Let's go with it. <laughs> It'll be in the show notes. Um, and Solace is set in Victorian England, again. Um, it's kind of like a cross between Jane Austen and the TV show Supernatural, if you've seen that. Yes. So that's kind of, it's like a melding of those two things. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's Victorian England, all of the societal expectations are in place. There's this, uh, the main character is this young, unmarried woman who is not quite so young because she's like 26 and mm-hmm. still not married, so they call her a spinster. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Which means I am far beyond a spinster. Thankfully, I'm not in that, <laughs> in that, in that era. Um, and she happens to be soulless. So in this world, vampires and werewolves are alive and part of society. Already loving it. Yes. <laughs> um, and she there's like um, groups you know, groups of vampires and werewolves that are, they work together, they kind of have their own place in London. Um, Queen Victoria has supervisors. She has a werewolf who supervises her nice. and a vampire who supervises her and, you know, kind of yeah. keep her up to date wow. on, on what's going on in that kind of world. Um, and so our main character is Solace, which means... If she touches a vampire or a were- werewolf... Um, their powers, their supernatural powers, go away. Oh, wow. So For the, good or temporarily? Just, te- just temporarily okay. while she's touching them. Sure. So at the beginning of the book, a vampire tries to attack her, and she touches him, and his fangs disappear, and she might uh, kill him with her parasol. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. So Coolest um, of weapons. <laughs> right. So it's a. I enjoyed this read. It was very clever writing. Mm-hmm. There were, like, I've noted a couple times times in the book that made me like laugh out loud and the characters she's very um she's your modern woman in victorian england she says what she thinks and Mm -hmm. you know she's not conforming to society but she a bit anachronistic but that's what we need right fantasy (laughs) right um but she also is kind of innocent too so Mm. there's a love interest that happens with a werewolf um and at one point he kisses her and she's, like, if you read her commentary, it says, like, she did not quite know what to think. And then a tongue <laughs> appeared. She did not know how she felt about the tongue. It's just, it's just hilarious wow. writing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, fair warning, this is kind of a steamy book. This is not a young adult book. This is an adult book. So okay. if you're reading it, just don't be surprised. This is your warning now. Um, there are some mature themes. Um, so I, one of the things that I liked about this one... Um, was the kind of the social commentary and um, idea of what would happen if there were vampires and werewolves in society mm-hmm. and the differences between the US and the UK and how they deal oh, with them. sure, yeah. So in the UK, like I said, they kind of become part of groups and they have their own society, you know, societal expectations mm-hmm. and class and ranking. And in the US, um, they're just feared and hunted. So if you happen to... I'm somehow unsurprised by that. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and if you happen to be turned into a werewolf or a vampire, you either have to hide and, you know, protect yourself, mm-hmm. or you will be, like, killed and burned. Jeez. Yes. Yeah. So that was really interesting, that whole... Um, the difference between how the two places mm-hmm. dealt with it. Seems like she's tying an actual historical accuracy with that. Yes, that's you what know? I felt too. Yeah. Um, so if you happen to, 
you know, if this book catches your fancy, if you've read it before and you want to have another read-alike, The Dark Days Club by Alison Goodman is something I would recommend. That's a little bit of a safer read, so if you're a younger reader, um, that's a good one too, and that one uh, is very similar. It's Victorian England, and there's um, some supernatural beings. Um, yeah, and there's there's always a handsome, brooding man. When isn't there? Right? <laughs> and that's fun too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so if you're interested in this book, it's available um, on County Cat. You can get it through our uh, library system. So you can request it to come to the Oak Creek Library if you want. Um, you can also listen to the audiobook or check out the ebook on Overdrive or if you're using a mobile device on Libby. Nice. Yes. I am all about those audiobooks lately. Yes. I used to be completely for just you know print books. I never really got into e-readers. Um, but audiobooks are great because you can listen to them while you're doing other things. Yes. Mm-hmm. So for people who are busy, which, hello. Right, I know. <laughs> They're fantastic. Yeah, I used to drive a lot, too, mm-hmm. and audiobooks are your friend. Definitely. When you're driving a lot. Yeah. That yeah. said, I just uh, finished reading Mortal Engines, and I say reading, but I listened to it okay. as an audiobook, yeah. which How- it still counts. It still counts, It guys. absolutely still counts. Don't discount audio. <laughs> <laughs> so again, this book, Mortal Engines, is by British author Philip Reeve. Uh, he's written a lot for children and young adult audiences, but many of his books are enjoyed by all ages. So don't discriminate just because of the right. subject classification, yeah. guys. Yeah. Uh, Mortal Engines was first published in 2001, and it's the first in a quartet known as the Hungry City Chronicles, and okay. I'll see why as I get more into it. Uh, the other three titles are Predator's Gold, Infernal Devices, and A Darkling Plane, which all sound very ominous to right, me. Right, right. <laughs> Um, The series is categorized as steampunk, of course, uh, but it does bleed into dystopian alternative history and fantasy genres, much like the book you were talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, I listened to it as an audiobook, and it was narrated by Barnaby Edwards, who I think did a very good job with the characters' voices, and there are plenty of them, and they're all super distinctive, believe me. Okay, that's helpful when you're listening to audio, I mean. The book is half the battle, but when it's an audiobook, the narrator has a lot of influence on the story itself. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. always on the lookout for good narrators. And Barnaby Edwards, fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah, I've I've turned off audiobooks mm-hmm. because of poor narration. Yeah. So that's always a, a nice plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's definitely something they have to factor in when translating. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, the entire audiobook series is available through Hoopla, which is the online streaming database we talked about last week and a bit this week. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who don't recall, it lets you stream and download digital media for free. This includes movies, TV shows, ebooks, graphic novels, and more. Each installment of the Hungry City Chronicles ranges from 9 to 15 hours in length, Ooh. which I think is that sweet spot because not too short, not too long. I mean, I've been listening to uh, Stephen King's Dark Tower, which is definitely very long, How long in is comparison. That? Like Each one. Book? Uh, yeah, each one, oh. and there are like seven or eight oh in there, gosh. so wow. yeah, it's it's been a trial, <laughs> but enjoyable. That's a long haul. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as for Mortal Engines itself, the story goes like this. Uh, long ago, there was a 60-minute war that destroyed a lot of the world as we know it. 60, 6-0? 6 yeah, 60-minute okay. war, so okay. very quick. Okay. <laughs> Bad things happen very fast. Um, it made the place uh, dangerous to live in. In on a geographical scale, so think earthquakes, droughts, volcanoes, that kind of thing. 
Uh, in this post-apocalyptic setting, people have turned all the great cities into giant mobile machines, as you would. Mm-hmm. Duh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> These are known as traction cities, and they okay. roll around dismantling smaller towns, uh, taking their people as slaves and eating up their resources. Okay. So it's a very new concept. Yeah. I have not heard of this sort of thing before. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yes. Uh, Mortal Engines, though, takes place years down the line. So the Earth itself is more stable. Okay. uh, But the resources needed to keep the cities going are dwindling down. Okay. There's nothing sustainable about these cities, but they keep going anyway because they refuse to die out. Okay. Um, The few people who live on the outskirts or basically literally on the ground in non-traction cities are viewed as terrorists. Uh, But basically, they just pretty much want to live off by themselves and not bother anyone. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, the Traction City of London is divided into separate guilds, so kind of like how your vampires and werewolves yeah. go off by themselves. Mm-hmm. We've got, in this book, the Guild of Engineers, who keep the cities running, mm-hmm. the Guild of Historians, who keep track of old technology, and there are a couple others that I won't get into because of spoilers. Okay. <laughs> uh, but because of a, lot of no- a lot of knowledge was destroyed during the 60-minute war, people have reverted into a Victorian-esque society. Aww, so there's one of there's our... our little steampunk check, yes, check the box. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, and London also has a corrupt mayor bent on using the old technology that the historians find to get rid of the non-traction cities okay. and kind of take over the world. Oh, yeah. Evil mayor. Yes. <laughs> but weirdly, the people in London seem happy enough to go along with this. I guess it's just the culture they live in. Okay. So going in, that's kind of important. Yeah. Um, as you can probably tell, the world building in this book is great. I mean... There are divided social classes, perspectives on the altered timeline, um, and interesting characters popping out of the woodwork every so often. Hmm. Um, If you're looking for the telltale signs of steampunk, there are also airships, an entire air city, um, as well as killer automatons and all that good stuff. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What I like most about this first book was uh, all the alternative points of view. So there are three main characters. There's Tom Natsworthy, Hester Shaw, and Catherine Valentine, and they're all very different people who come from very different places. Uh, So it's nice to join Tom on his adventures with Hester outside the city of London, but then come back and join Catherine as she tries to solve a mystery inside the city. Um, And the narratives are parallel, too, so it's not confusing like you get in some books. Yeah. You know, when you jump back and forth, Mm -hmm. it can get pretty bad. But this one, it it flowed really well. Um, Occasionally, there are other perspectives from those three main characters, uh, like that of an artificially intelligent killing machine named Trike. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> His passages, though few and far between, are my favorite. Uh, Reeve switches to the present tense for those, so things become more immediate oh, okay. and foreboding. And it kind of wakes you up if you're listening, and suddenly the tense changes, yeah. right? Your, your brain latches onto that, yeah. and it gets you to pay more attention. I, I love it when authors do that, mm-hmm. when they kind of play around with narration a yeah. little bit, and it's done well. And I've I've read a couple interviews where Reeve discusses why he did that, and he doesn't like it. He thinks it was a cheap shot that he did. <laughs> really? And I'm like, dude, it's great. Yeah, Don't worry it about it. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> um, huh. Yeah, so I decided to talk about this book today because I first heard of it when I saw the movie trailer mm-hmm. for the film adaption late last year. Um, the movie, going by the same name of Mortal Engines, was released 
in December in the U.S., um, but it didn't do very well, mm-hmm. critically speaking. Mm-hmm. I know you've seen it, too. I saw it. Yes. Did you go see it, too? Uh, I watched it on Amazon Prime okay. for streaming. Okay. Because it was just released. It's not on any of our databases yet. Yeah. But it will be eventually, yes. hopefully. It, yeah. yeah, it's coming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, watching it for the first time a couple of weeks ago, I was worried the creators would be too reliant on CGI for special effects. Mm-hmm. I mean, the last thing you want from a steampunk world where everything is metal or mechanical is poorly rendered eye garbage that will look outdated in a few years anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, aesthetically, though, I was mostly impressed. For the most part, it wasn't distractive in this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't think it was too bad. Uh, the environment looked cool, and the airships were all right. Mm-hmm. I think they could have gone for more practical effect makeup and prosthetics for Shrike, because truth be told, and to be brutally honest, he looked kind of lame, okay? <laughs> he was not intimidating. Um, but other than that, uh, I enjoyed the acting. Okay, um, yeah. I thought maybe they, the actors were a bit wasted on the, the plot. They had to cram a lot in there. My the, complaint was the plot. Yeah. The, the storyline. With fantasy epics, and again, it's steampunk, but we're bleeding into fantasy. Mm-hmm. When you try to cram all that into a movie on the silver screen, a lot can get sacrificed. Yeah. Um, I think, I won't say anything more than this, but uh, it might have done better as a limited miniseries on TV. Yeah, especially because I haven't read the book. Mm-hmm. and So while you were describing the book... I didn't realize. Sure. This is a much deeper world than mm-hmm. I thought it was. Mm-hmm. And if you had more time to be able to explore that and explain yeah. that and um, beef up your story a little bit, I think that would be um, helpful for yeah. this movie. So I watched this movie while I was tired. <laughs> oh, joy. Best time to watch it. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, so I, my memory of it is kind of vague. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I could see that happening. But I, I do remember my general impression was that the story could have been more engaging and mm-hmm. deeper. Yeah. Um, but it is an interesting world and mm-hmm. a cool concept. Yeah. Yeah. Plot-wise, the main thing I rolled my eyes at was the treatment of character Hester Shaw, who mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, She's the one with the scar on her yeah, face, Yeah, right? well, in the book, she has a super messed up face, okay? okay. So she receives an injury that, well, basically her nose is gone. She's oh. missing an eye. Her oh. mouth is perpetually perpetually <laughs> twisted up, <laughs> and uh, she has this massive scar. But then in the movie, ickle tiny scar going yeah, down one cheek in her jaw. Face and yes. just a little scar down her cheek. That, dear listeners, is the <laughs> widespread <laughs> epidemic that is Hollywood's forced beautification of physical yeah. ugliness, okay? Which, I mean, that sounds like a mouthful, but it's nothing new, is mm-hmm. it? I mean, it happens all the time. We've seen it yeah. before in other movies. Phantom of the Opera springs to mind first. That's exactly what I thought Yeah. <laughs> uh, in Gaston Leroy's book, the character of the Phantom is basically a walking corpse, okay? The dude is fugly, he has a skull for a face, <laughs> and he smells of decay. Then the uh, Hollywood adaption of the musical came out in 2004. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, the actor's facial prosthetics are minimal. I mean, I don't find the disfigurement unsettling, let alone terror-inducing, mm-hmm. you know. I find it unsettling, A little, personally. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, I, it could I be worse. I also think the Phantom is a creep. Like, I'm For team real. Raul all sure. the way. Yeah. I'm like the one person I know who doesn't want her to end We up talked the about Phantom. this before. Yes. The Phantom, he's yeah. rapey. It's he, creepy. He is. Yeah. Yes. So, anyway. Uh, well, and then it's it's not just in movies, though. It's in TV. Think about uh, Game of Thrones, okay? 
Tyrion Lannister. Uh, for fans of the show, diehards know the series is based on George R.R. R. Martin's book series, A Song of Ice and Fire. Mm-hmm. In that, the character of Tyrion Lannister is described as, what was it, a hideously deformed imp. Then on the show, he's played by Peter Dinklage, who is not really made to look he's ugly at all. He's actually a pretty good-looking guy. Yeah. Uh, I won't fight that too hard, though, because it's just nice to see people of short stature on the screen. Mm-hmm. It's baby steps, right, when it comes right. to movies mm-hmm. and TV. Mm-hmm. But still, the, I mean, the examples of this are endless, so we'll yeah. stop there. Yeah. But, yeah. So to play devil's advocate, mm-hmm. um, I have a friend who will often say, um, I, you know, I don't want to pay to see an ugly person oh, on the no. movie. <laughs> you know, and she kind of says it facetiously. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is something to that in a way Mm -hmm. um you know well we're definitely used to seeing beauty on the screen right and movies are a visual media Mm -hmm. um so that's part of it too i guess um i think the gripe with the one for hester shaw is that she's supposed to be ugly it's a big part of the Mm -hmm. story um these characters are meant to be aesthetically unappealing right really uh, they're morphed into what is known as hollywood homely with like an yeah, yeah. tiny scar right yeah um, it's an old practice and definitely annoying sometimes even harmful yeah. i think mm-hmm. um so whenever i notice that happening i get irritated yeah did you Not ever see <laughs> did you ever see divergent i saw the first one yeah, yeah. so she comes from this background where they are very simple and mm-hmm. plain yeah and they, almost a kind of religious sect kind mm-hmm. of thing and they I wear remember. like gray clothes and mm-hmm. don't wear makeup and in the movie she's clearly wearing mascara yes. yeah that happens <laughs> all the time where like a woman is sleeping in a scene and the, she has it's makeup everywhere makeup on. yeah <laughs> yes yeah just yeah well a big part of mortal engines is that some characters who are beloved for their outward appearances and personas are actually horrible people while those who are plain unremarkable or ugly on the outside are forces of good yeah. okay mm-hmm. uh, so people tend to align goodness with beauty i think that's yeah. another facet of this uh, discussion here and mm-hmm. i mean i'm air quoting with beauty because that's clearly subjective right mm-hmm. um and philip reeve really flips that concept on its head in his book that said, his villainous characters have lots of shades of gray, be they dudes with dark secrets who have somewhat understandable motivations, or cold artificial intelligence that feels a sort of attachment towards human beings, or marauding pirates who simply want a taste of the high life after mm-hmm. being in the dirt for so yeah. long. Mm-hmm. Um, I dig that sort of complexity no matter, yeah. no matter the story. Yeah, because of, uh, no villain thinks he's a villain. No. He thinks he's the hero. Yeah, and the ones yeah. that do aren't layered. They're just kind of boring, blah, yes. comic book. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. we're used to that, and we want to see more. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, that's my spiel, really. I mean, the movie tanks, so if that puts you off, read the book. If you like the movie, read the book and like it even more. <laughs> if you want to watch the movie and make up your own mind, I know the library ordered a copy earlier yeah, this month. Yeah, we have one coming, yeah. Yeah, so it should be out in soon if it isn't already. Uh, Mortal Engines is new to DVD, so remember to give it some extra time when it comes to availability mm-hmm. at the library. Yeah. Or like we were talking about before with digital services, there's always a bit of lag there. Right. Um, and lastly, I have a couple read-alikes for this one, and okay. then we can get more into yours. Okay. Um, there's a book called World Shaker by Richard Harland that seems incredibly similar in premise. Uh, it's also a young adult book, so audiences who enjoyed Mortal Engines will no doubt enjoy this one, too. Um... The ratings are on par with each other, so take that for what you will. 
Uh-huh. Or you could get the prequel novels a go. I have mixed feelings about prequels because, of course, I do. <laughs> um, but they are a thing. So check out Philip Reeves' Beaver Crumb series or his collection of short stories set in the world of mortal engines titled Night Flights. That one was published in 2018, just ahead of the uh, motion picture release. Okay. So it might have been a promotional gambit, but it does have really good reviews. Okay. Yeah. Good. Nice. Would you... They're probably not going to make any more films. Probably not. Yeah. Would you have watched them if they... Probably not. Okay. No. Good I do know. have the other books lined up and plan on listening to those. Okay. So the story and the world is really good, but... The adaptation movies. into the yeah. If it was a mini series, it would have been a different story. Yeah. They would have had more time to expand things, yeah. I think. But as it is, nah. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah. I know the there's this trend of adapting, mm-hmm. especially young adult fiction, oh, yeah. into films. And while some of those, are, I think, are well done, um, I think it, you can, you know, kind of do that very poorly and totally ruin mm-hmm. the whole thing. Yeah. Which is a shame. Because mm-hmm. people will say, well, I saw the movie Mortal Engines, I'm not going to read the book, because yeah. obviously the movie was horrible or whatever, mm-hmm. when in fact that's not the case. Yeah. There's the old adage, read the book before the movie, right. or the book is better <laughs> than the movie, or right. whatever. But I don't know how true that is. I just think it, it it's a good idea to give both a try. Right. Mm-hmm. And understand that they are two separate, distinct mm-hmm. things. Yeah, by yeah. different creators almost. So. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so um, the last steampunk book I want to talk about is The Golden Compass by Philip Pullman, Um, and this is a young adult book. Um, This is a really interesting concept, and I actually read it a couple of years ago, so I I went and looked on Sparknotes to kind of get a refresher for the story, Mm -hmm. Um, and now that I remember reading it, I read books one and two and I never read book three <gasps> dun, dun, dun. I know so I feel like I need to go back and, yeah. and finish the series um, so the story is about this young girl her name is Lyra and the world is like what holds this story together the okay. world is really amazing Yeah. so every human being um, has this thing called a demon not like a demon devil demon mm-hmm. but it's kind of like um uh, a spirit animal, okay. I guess you could say. Sure. So they're they're talking animals. Or a Patronus from Harry Potter. Yes. 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 Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, Slip that reference in there. <laughs> so they're they're animals that they can talk, and they're kind of an external expression of the person's soul. Oh wow! And they are connected. So if the animal gets hurt, the person feels it too vice versa. Interesting. And they can't um, be physically too far apart from each other, and otherwise it will cause, cause them pain. Mm-hmm. And the really other fun thing about it is um, adults have like a certain animal that is their demon, but children, their demons can morph into whatever animal they want to be. So it's kind of representative of children who are, you know, still learning about themselves Mm -hmm. and figuring themselves out, and they're not quite grown up and haven't been set in their ways yet. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's part of it, too, is the the demons can kind of change as they will, depending on how the the child is feeling. Um, So the main character, Lyra, has this demon, Pan, and um, she ends up kind of going on this adventure unexpectedly she overhears a conversation about um she lives in a college and overhears her uncle 
talking to these professors about this thing called dust, which um, happens to surround grown adults, but it doesn't really follow children as much. And they're kind of studying like, what is dust? Does it make human beings impure or sinful? It's very, mm -hmm. it has very religious themes. Okay. Um, so then she ends up kind of uh, being, I'm trying to remember the story, it's been a while. <laughs> sure. She ends up leaving the college and being taken um, on a trip with this, this woman named Mrs. Coulter, who has this, she's like this gorgeous, perfectly manicured woman who had, her demon is this golden monkey who's like vicious and hates people, Ooh. which is an interesting right, sign because it's a for, reflection, yes, right? like we're talking about beauty versus ugliness. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so this woman kind of takes Lyra to, I think, London. I could be wrong. <laughs> I think London. Um, and then Lyra kind of run, runs away and realizes that she... Um, okay, so I'm remembering now. <laughs> As you go. Yes. So there's a bunch of children that are disappearing. Um, oh. And the rumor is that they're being kidnapped by gobblers. Um, and Lyra learns that they're, they're being um, kidnapped and taken away for experimentation. Oh dear. Because and it's all related to, to dust. The dust yeah. mm -hmm. Um so she kind of goes on this quest to kind of find these children and save them. Mm -hmm. Um and there's some really fun and cool characters along the way. Um there are these people called Egyptians, which are very similar to gypsies. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> um and they kind of take her part of the way on her journey and they're very um caring of her and, mm -hmm. and kind of guide her along her journey. There's this like country western guy who has this hot air balloon. He's like the coolest character ever. <laughs> Sounds demon, rad. Yeah. His demon is this rabbit. <laughs> it's just really fun. Um, and then there's also this um, community of bears, talking bears. Okay. Uh -huh. <laughs> Things have escalated yes. into fantasy. <laughs> yes. And they don't have demons. They're just talking bears. Mm -hmm. Just talking bears. Right. That's it. Um, and she kind of recruits one to come on and help him because they help her because they need a bodyguard, essentially. Are they polar bears? They're polar bears. Okay, because I've seen covers on books. There is also a yeah. movie. Okay. Yes. There you go. Um, so, and the that comes into play later. I won't give away spoilers, mm -hmm. but... Um, the bears come into play later. It's a really fascinating story, and more things are revealed about the dust and what characters are doing and what the, her, her uncle is really studying. Mm -hmm. um, it's a really fascinating story. Book two takes a completely new turn that you wouldn't think, but it's really, really good. Um, so I do recommend this book. I, I recommend it for adults, mm -hmm. um, young adults too, but... There are some very strong religious themes. Um, this is kind of a controversial book because Philip Pullman, um, Philip Pullman uh, kind of ridicules the church in a way. Mm -hmm. Like he's pointing out all the flaws in this okay. religious establishment. That's an interesting take. It is. Yeah. And um, if you look at his writing, there are some pretty heavy similarities to C.S. Lewis, oh, who did nice. the opposite thing. Uh -huh. He would create allegories based on mm -hmm. um, biblical stories and religious experiences. So, Chronicles of Narnia, for you guys who yes, don't know. <laughs> yes. So, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe yes. is probably the most popular one. Um, so, yeah, that's that's very interesting 
too. Um, and this is, like we said, very heavily leans, leans on the fantasy side of mm-hmm. steampunk. Um, but it's a very good read. I highly recommend it. Are you going to read the third one? I Yes, <laughs> sometime, someday. <laughs> At one point. Um, I probably should now because I have reviewed mm-hmm. the previous two. Um, and I really am interested to see how it ends. So Yeah, you gotta kind of see the ending. Yeah, there's a lot at stake now after uh-huh. book two, so Ooh, yeah. Intrigue. Yes. <laughs> so that's a good one. I would recommend that one too. Awesome. Yeah. So I had some other things that are non book related, but I just wanted to talk about them. Go for it, please okay. do. So did you ever finally see Alita? I have Angel? not, but I still plan on it. Okay. So, but please give spoilers if you want to. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll try to save our listeners yes. from spoilers. So, um, Alita Battle Angel came out in theaters this year. It's mm-hmm. 2019, if anyone's listening in the future. <laughs> Hello, future people. Hi. How's it going? <laughs> Is everyone dead now? <laughs> Don't tell us. <laughs> um, but So, the DVD comes out in May, and... The library will have copies of the DVD. Mm-hmm. So if you've seen the trailers for Alita, Battle Angel, it looks like a story about this like s- cyborg human slash robot who's kind of a warrior but is falling in love and there's a lot of action. Mm-hmm. So I went into this movie with low expectations. Sure. It's like this is going to be one of those movies that really like is high on the action and CG but low on story. I was going to say there's that poorly rendered eye garbage we were talking about. (laughs) (laughs) And it tends to sacrifice the plot and story. Mm -hmm. I was very pleasantly surprised. Oh, This story was so good. It was really really good. Um, This also this movie is based on a graphic novel series which I think we have ordered for the library so by the end of the year we hope to have every single volume yes and it's called Battle Angel Alita again I'll put everything in the show notes so if something you hear interests you you can find it in the show notes Mm -hmm. um so and I think that's why the movie is so good because it's basing the plot on a lot of the storyline in the graphic novels um The main character, Alita, is so likable because she's definitely um, enhanced by CG. I mean, she has, Mm -hmm. like, a robotic body, but her face as well as her eyes are, like, huge. Very Mm anime-esque. But she's, like, this sweet, innocent girl just trying to figure out where she is. And, like, she doesn't remember where she came from. She's found in a, like, a garbage yard and put back together by this scientist um, and then tries to figure out her place mm-hmm. in this world with a bunch of cyborgs and robots and people trying to, you know, make it on the outskirts of the town. Um, so kind of like we talked about in our lad po- last podcast, there's this dichotomy of, am I a human? Mm-hmm. Am I a robot? I going to say, it very much sounds like Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> yeah. Um, am I a an innocent girl or Mm -hmm. am I why am I really good at fighting right you know how much is in my control how much isn't yeah so that was really good too um there's also this kind of paternal relationship between her and her scientist who takes care of her Mm -hmm. which was really sweet and I mean for me at least (laughs) I thought it was great um and then also the cg and um as the action too were 
very well done. So not eye garbage. No. Fantastic. In my opinion. Yeah. Um, it makes all the difference. It really does. Yeah. It's It was really good. I hope that they continue the series. Nice. Yeah. Did it do well critically, do you know? I think it did fairly well. Okay. Um, but now that I think about it, it may not be in theaters anymore, which mm-hmm. means possibly not as well as it should have. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, it did, did better than I expected. Better than Mortal Engines, anyway. <laughs> hey yeah. yeah, I would think so. <laughs> Sorry, Mortal Engines. <laughs> I didn't mean we it. We love you. <laughs> you're, both, you're, at least. you're okay in your own right. You <laughs> exist as a thing. Right. <laughs> so that, I recommend. Mm-hmm. Go watch that. Go read the graphic novels. I will be reading the graphic novels. Same here. Yes. The the storyline is just really good. Um, And then the other thing I wanted to talk about was um, The Umbrella Academy. Yes. A new show on Netflix, Mm -hmm. also based on a a graphic novel series. Mm -hmm. Um, Which we will be getting in this year, too. Yes. Because it's all popular now. It is very popular. And it's also available in Hoopla. Mm -hmm. So if you don't want to wait for it, it's there right away. Um, so in the Umbrella Academy, I did, so I finished the whole season. I have not yet. Okay. But I'm getting there. Where are you? Episode eight, I believe. Okay. Yeah. What's a significant thing that's happened recently? Um, let's see here. It's been a couple weekends since I watched it. (laughs) So I watched it in a weekend. Oh yeah. I, I, yes. I can see it's a very binge worthy show. Yeah. I'm actually rewatching it. So I'm on, like, season two yeah. for the second time. Or oh, you know what two. it was? Everyone had just gone, gotten to somewhat happy endings, and then the time gets reset. Oh, yeah. okay. okay. And I was very upset about it. Yeah. <laughs> so this story is... I was reading um, reviews about it, and mm-hmm. they say that the, the graphic novel is weird. I remember reading the first issue not even the first volume but when it came out you know in issues Mm -hmm. so way back in the day back when my chemical romance was popular which i mentioned because gerard way wrote it and he's the lead singer from that band okay i believe if i'm wrong don't kill me um (laughs) (laughs) um, but i could not get into it i wasn't as into comics as i am now but it was really bizarre well and from what i read i think they toned down the weirdness for the show the tv show and Mm -hmm. they've kind of some of the plot they've changed a little bit to make it a little bit more accessible. Mm-hmm. But I would say that this show is weird. It's pretty bonkers, it's yeah. It's delightfully Enjoyable, weird. yeah. Yes. Um, so the kind of the general concept, do you want to, since you've watched it more recently than me, possibly. Uh, yeah, so they're basically, I don't remember how many kids there are, but they're... Like 38 or something? I don't know. Yeah. They're a bunch of kids... Who were all born on the same day. And none of their mothers were pregnant yeah. that morning. Yeah, and suddenly, preggers, and surprise, <laughs> the, you get these kids, and they all have powers. Yeah, as far as we know. As far as we know. Well, we only know, so out of like the 38 or whatever, mm-hmm. we only know of like six or eight or something. Yeah, six or seven. Um, and yeah. those six or seven were all raised by this eccentric inventor, philanthropist. He's actually kind of a jerk guy yeah. in a place called the Umbrella Academy. And yeah. they're brought up to be superheroes. Yeah. But then they kind of have to go their separate ways. Yeah. And for a spoilery reason, they have to come back together. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then try to stop the end of the world from happening. I think yeah. that's the basic gist. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
there's time shenanigans and assassins. Which is, the time travel mm-hmm. is done so well. It is, and it's interesting. It's so interesting. It's just, and their their powers are really interesting too. Yeah, they're um, not what you would expect from a superhero. No, thing. they're um. So I I made notes about some of the mm-hmm. uh, like the key notes in this. Um, it's there's absurdity. There are superpowers, family dynamics, mystery, action. Hitmen, apocalypse, romance, and it's just delightfully weird. Yes. Um, the music is also great. Oh, it is one of the best parts of the show. Yes. You guys have to watch it and yes. listen. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the characters are also really, really good, too. I'm loving the characters. Very well-rounded and thought out. Yes. Um, Again, so, TV shows for the win when it comes to right, character development. Right. So... Um, there's these two hitmen called Hazel and Cha-Cha. My personal favorites. <laughs> they're they're just like, they bicker with each other. Yeah. You can tell they're not from our time or our world, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's an odd blending, uh, but they work really well off of each other. Yeah, so they're really fun, too. And then I really liked Allison, too. Mm-hmm. She has this amazing superpower. I heard a rumor. <laughs> <laughs> she can... Uh, for those of you who don't understand, she <laughs> hears rumors and then suddenly those rumors become true. Yeah, so yeah. she'll say to you, like, I heard a rumor that you gave me an A on my test. Yes, and suddenly. Teacher, <laughs> lo and behold, she has an A. Yes, which who wouldn't want that? But right. as we see in the show, things aren't yeah. always going to work out in their favor. Mm-hmm. That kind of backfires mm-hmm. a little bit. And then my all-time favorite character is Klaus. Yes, he is the bomb, guys. Yeah. Which, ironically, he's played by... I say ironically, I mean coincidentally. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's where that English degree is going. Right. He's played by Robert Sheehan, who is also in Mortal Engines as uh, Natsworthy. Who, again, the acting in the movie was great. Don't let what I've said about the film itself deter you. The yeah. actors are always great. And in yeah. Umbrella Academy, he is... On point as ever. Yeah. He's, he's an amazing actor. He's fantastic. Yeah. So he plays this this character who is, um, his superpower happens to be that he can see and talk to people that have died. Mm-hmm. So of course, as an adult, he's addicted to drugs and mm-hmm. he's, you know, an alcoholic. Because who and, would want to see the deceased? Right. So he's like blocking it out. Yeah. With, but he's like this great character he's very funny very funny and cynical charismatic yeah he's just a fantastic character probably gonna end up starting a fan club now given all this gushing we're doing (laughs) we love clouds (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so the umbrella academy is only available on netflix right now Mm -hmm. unfortunately is it a netflix original it's a netflix original so it will probably only be on netflix for a Mm -hmm. while um, but if it does come out on DVD, which is not... Unprecedented. Not, yeah, because, because I mean, they did that with Stranger Things. And House of Cards, which we shall not speak of. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen House of Cards. Um, so if it does come out on DVD, obviously we will do our best to get it in the mm-hmm. library system. But and, right now it's only on Netflix. Yes, yeah, and we do have the comics coming. Yes, yeah, so and, if you want like a little prelude, mm-hmm. just remember that the comics are a lot more weird. And given how popular the show is, I believe they're now rebooting the comic series or okay. adding volumes yeah, or I something. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, this has been fun. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. Um, Make sure you check out the show notes because not only are we going to be putting the titles of everything we've been talking about, but also a link to Oak Creek Public Library's Steampunk Book List, which is pretty new. Yes. So check that out. Um, and then next month we're going to be talking about disaster books, yes. like po- post-apocalyptic. Can't say it. Post-apocalyptic. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. <laughs> disaster stories. Um, and uh, if you would, please remember to rate and review the podcast. And you can um, talk about the podcast. Let us know what you thought with the hashtag NotYourMother'sLibrary. Um, thank you for listening. Happy reading. Bye. Bye.